Throughout the winter months, I don't feel like going anywhere, so home workouts are my BFF. Thankfully, I discovered Masa. Masa has a history that spans five decades of inspiring millions of people to move. Masa has hundreds of on-demand workouts and recoveries for everyone, new movers and athletes alike, 300 plus and growing. My podcast listeners get 30 days free on top of a 14-day trial with my very own promo code, Total Mom Sense 30. After 44 days, a subscription is just $9.99 per month. Workouts fit every schedule, whether you have 10, 30, or 60 minutes. And they're actually enjoyable, driven by music and amazing coaching. Masa's video library has workouts like dance, MMA, mind body, HIIT, and cycling. They've got work ins. Their word for recovery is work ins, like the DDES series, to offset our sedentary lives and 10 minute synergy experiences based in yoga and Pilates. I especially love strength training. These structured workouts improve fitness, a stronger physique, living better, feeling better, which means we're able to run around with our kids or grandkids and build better brain health and a can-do attitude. To learn more, log on to www.masa.net. And remember, use my promo code TOTALMOMSENSE30 to receive 30% off your subscription. What are you still doing here? Get moving. That's Total Mom Sense is a show that is informative, engaging, and inclusive. So it makes perfect sense to not discount the dads in our audience. Here to shed light on a father's perspective is my co-host, Michael Perry, founder of Maple, a parenting app with a mission to create a support system for families so the days are manageable, daily tasks are checked off, and there's harmony in your household. Michael is a trailblazer in tech and is a loving husband and devoted father to his two boys. Together, we bring you a special monthly series called What Matters Most with Mabel. When I became a dad, I wondered where my dad groups at. I made it my life mission to provide parents with the support they needed to best take care of their families and want to make sure all perspectives in the parental experience are equal and fair. So moms, dads, and everyone in your village, be sure to tune in to What Matters Most with Maple on That Total Mom Sense each month. We've, We've got, got you. Parent tech is a burgeoning, relevant, and quite possibly the most viable industry to date, one that took center stage during the pandemic when billions of families the world over were scrambling for resources to take care of and educate their children at home while pursuing their careers, pivoting to remote work, or trying to make ends meet after being furloughed, losing their jobs, or joining the Great Resignation. According to Wonder, the market size is over $1.2 trillion, parents with kids ages newborn through college. The expenses are never-ending, and the experience can be siloed, so parents are desperately seeking solutions that provide connection and a means to streamline their lives. Today, I'm joined by trailblazers in parent tech, who range from those who have created a sizable community and brand offering to those embarking on launching and scaling their startups. We all have one common goal in mind, being of service to parents the world over. On today's panel discussion, I'm joined by Michael Perry, 
founder and CEO of Maple, who's my co-host for What Matters Most. And his website is growmaple.com. Michael is based in Oakland, California, with his wife and two sons. Charlotte Michaelitis, she's the founder and CEO of Parenthood Ventures, and that's parenthoodventures.com. Charlotte is based in San Francisco with her husband, son, and daughter. Sujal Shah, founder and CEO of Playground Parent, and that website is theplaygroundparent.com. Sujal is based in Brooklyn with his wife and two sons. Serene Nur Ali, she is the co-founder and CEO of Sleuth, and that website is hellosleuth, S-L-E-U-T-H dot com. Serene is based in New York City with her husband and two daughters, and you all know me. I'm your host, Kanika Chattagupta. I'm the founder and host of That Total Mom Sense and this spinoff series, What Matters Most with Maple. And I'm part of the founding team of The Playground Parent. You can follow me at thatstotalmomsense.com. I'm based in New Jersey with my husband, twin son and daughter, and younger son. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm so grateful to have you all on this panel today. I made sure to include your families and number of children in your intro because I think the equalizer for us here today is that we're not only parents, but it's because we're parents that we've completely changed our career path. I would love for Michael to start. He's my co-host of this segment, What Matters Most uh, with Maple. And just tell us about your parenting journey in a nutshell, because that definitely informed where you are today. Yeah, my parenting journey in a nutshell has been somewhat of a magical one. My wife and I started to try to build a family in 2017 and quickly found out that we were not going to be able to naturally conceive children. And that sent us down a path of deeply getting involved with the IVF community, super thrilled that science has worked its magic. And we now have a three and a half year old son, Leander, and a just over one year old son, Solomon. When we were building our family, I was working at Shopify, focusing on trying to help entrepreneurs and in the process of having sons and becoming a dad, realized how similar life as an entrepreneur is to that of a parent and thought that if we could build technology to help people run their business, then we should be focusing on building technology to help people run their household. My my path of becoming a dad and an entrepreneur for families. Amazing. Charlotte, what about you? I'm a mom of two and you can really trace back everything I'm doing at Parenthood Ventures to becoming a parent in the heart of San Francisco. You know, thinking, okay, I'm surrounded by everyone I know is a founder, an investor, works at an accelerator. I'm in the epicenter of innovation. And then I, you know, was looking around essentially at all my fellow new parents as I was going to some classes and doing the things and meeting people at the playground and thinking, gosh, people here, we're drowning (laughs) in with things that are universal experiences, you know, things that could be solved by the right drip feed of information or some cool gadget or, or tool or service. And yet... As I looked at the options I saw available, it felt like there was there were a generation of tech behind what I was finding in all the other parts of my life, whether it be financial services or, I mean, goodness knows how many different scooter services were on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> and and I, I was just sort of 
taken aback increasingly that you know I started making this ideas list that grew hilariously long and then my background my background is in sort of strategy consulting and, and started thinking something's broken here something must explain why it feels like innovation has not landed when it comes to products and services for parents and kids despite the fact that this is one of the more universal experiences <laughs> and the needs evolve on a pretty predictable pattern and and then even things that feel niche you know fertility is a wonderful example right back in the day you'd think wow that's a small subset of people um but actually when you roll that up across the united states it's millions of millions of people there's so much potential to sort of alleviate suffering and, and allow us all to focus on the, the joyful parts and the fun um, and it just wasn't happening yet so that was sort of the, the impetus for all of this sujo I spent a lot of time not being a parent. So uh, I came to being a parent later in life at the age of 44, I had for my first child, which got me grounded in my ways, I think a little bit further. And my only experience, like many of us, is in parenting is from what how my parents raised me. That was in an analog environment that was in a generational and cultural different environment in terms of parenting and styles and information and access and all of that. But for the longest time, I kind of put that at arm's length. And the minute you become a parent, your whole world changes, right? As we all know. And everything is about that child and everything to raise that child. So I quickly started seeing a lot of similarities in how my dad raised me in how I was acting. And I realized that I wanted to do better. And in my parent, my dad was great. My experience was great. But uh, there's more. There's more information. There's better ways of doing things. And that information is more accessible. So for me, having built e-commerce and digital media companies, VC-backed ones, and, and exited them, I had spent a lot of time trying to understand content, commerce, and community. Those are the three C's that I spent a lot of time on. And I did it almost the reversed order, which was commerce, then content, and then building communities. What I realized as I flipped the switch into parenthood is that this community is amazing. It's an e-commerce person's dream from the perspective of the organic nature of parenting, the ability for the aspirational nature. We all want, even if we can't afford it, we all want the best for our kids. And the fact that there was so much to do every day, like similar to what Michael was talking about in terms of, you know, needing tools and things to help you get through the day. Because what I found is my most important commodity in a day is time, right? And I think a lot of parents would agree with that. So wanted to improve my version of parenting, wanted to access more information. But what did I find? I found I went online. This is during the pandemic. I went online and I saw that there was millions of groups out there, right? So, but fragmentation was the first issue that I saw, you know, moms of Greenpoint or dads of, you know, LA, or, you know, there's all these fragmented, fragmented, super hyper-local or niche groups, which are amazing and effective. But I was looking for something different. I was looking for a place to belong as a dad. And I saw the siloed nature of what we saw out there. There was a lot of dads are often, you know, not as in the forefront with these communities or not even given access to some of these communities. And then there there was an access problem I saw. So three problems, fragmented, siloed, and access. Access was around. There's oftentimes a paywall and subscription, which is necessary. But oftentimes, you know, there are myriad ones you want to access and you've got to pay for each ones. And, and, and I, I thought that was the end point. For me, I was looking for the starting point, a place to belong, a place to feel like they, I can get diverse experiences from other parents. And a place where, you know, I could ask questions quickly, get answers quickly and make daily decisions because I have this whole list every day. I come up with 50 questions, right? Go to Google. And Google is not necessarily efficient, though it has a lot of information that it's time stuff. But then I'd spend a lot of time at the playground. And I was at the playground as a dad during the pandemic. 
I met moms, dads, different type parent types, different economic backgrounds, different age kids, different family structures. But we immediately, without even knowing each other, would start sharing information about our kids and what they did and what products and what recommendations and how did you deal with X or Y. And that was such a valuable set of exchange, but I only got that for an hour or two when I'd go to the playground or a group activity. So the idea was, how can I replicate that online? So all parents can access it. And there's such great information exchange that I, I want to unlock between moms and dads that I think that there's a va there's value to creating a space for the one of the largest communities in the world that has never been aggregated and mass. And Serene, I think it's really similar to what everyone was saying before. And there's this undertone of like parents are kind of missed as a market, which is very ironic given how much we spend. And technology didn't really take us seriously. There's a lot of things that don't take us seriously. People will sell us games and toys and educational apps. But what my what Sleuth is premised on is that caregivers actually have a lot of expertise that when you use thoughtful technology can extract that expertise and help another parent. My background is I have two children. I was really lost when my first daughter was born. I didn't really know what was going on. Both my children, I have kind of a normal, typically developing child, and then I have a child that has health issues. Even with my typically developing child, I had no idea if what she was doing was normal. I'm not a person who posts online about my children. I'm very, very private about their information. And so it was a real struggle to get personalized insight on what to do. And so just by happenstance, someone was like, why don't you call your doctor and ask for early intervention? And it was there that I started getting a little bit more answers. And she grew out of whatever kind of, you know, OT deficit she had. But when it came to my younger daughter, I actually had to leave my job to figure out what was going on with her. And the best information I got was from other parents. So I would like scour these like 30 Facebook groups and say, hey, like, who's the best doctor for this? Who's the best doctor for this? And when I met my co-founder, Alex, he was about to become a dad. And I think fatherhood is such a strong theme right now. And I'm, I'm so happy to see fathers kind of get their due, the modern father get their due. And Alex was like, I know that I want to work on things with children. I'm about to become a dad. And as a data scientist, he looked at the problem I was facing and the problem that I said, listen, there's so many parents out there in the world who are helping each other, but everyone just slams the mom groups. I was like, the amount of power these parent groups have in terms of just helping each other fill in the gaps of information, whether it's at the playground or about the doctor's office or at school, is tremendous. And artificial intelligence and machine learning hasn't touched it. And that was his point to me. He said, when you crowdsource that information, what you're seeing is real. What you're seeing about parents helping parents is a real source of data. What happens when we don't dismiss that and we actually take that and create a search engine out of it? So tell us about your companies um, so that the listeners can follow along and, and look you all up. Yeah. So Maple is a web and mobile application. We help over 50,000 households now. The focus of our product is to help families better plan and manage their home collaboratively. So we built a suite of tools on our platform to organize the home through what we call plan. So anything from a grocery list to your bills and finance, to summer camp, to your kid's school schedule. And inside of each of those plans is a set of tools to be more collaborative on the load, establishing the work through to-dos and events, sharing documentation through notes, and having conversations through Maple's messaging product. And in addition to that, we've created an ecosystem that allows for any household to publish those plans that they've created to work with inside of their own home and allow for other households to use those blueprints that have been created to cut down the administrative time of planning. So 
we've been on a journey now. We're a venture-backed business. We have been only available in the U.S. and Canada. And by the end of this year, we'll be opening up to five other countries. Really excited for 2023 and hoping that it's a big year that we can get more equity established in the home for the work. So Parenthood Ventures is a platform for early stage startups who serve parents and children. So everything from reproductive health and fertility all the way through when the kids fly the nest. And ultimately, our goal is to sort of put this sector on a map and help it be more possible to build in the space and help parents discover what's out there that's really sort of exciting and emerging. Um, So this month, we're celebrating passing 400 startups in our community who've collectively raised more than $350 million in funding. Alongside our founder platform, we have an expansive investor network of venture investors who have an an interest in the sector. Um, And our next phase, which I'm particularly excited about, is to include angel investors. So parents, essentially, we've all gone through these journeys. We've all become experts in things we may have never wanted to become experts in. Who is better positioned to assess which of these ideas is going to make it, right, than somebody who's sort of lived the journey and really knows what's already out there and and what the alternatives are and so on. In terms of the problem we're solving, so we've touched on a lot of the themes around this already, but it's the combination of a few different factors. And ultimately, the biggest one's probably inertia, right? The cultural norm that you just suck it up. You're just not going to sleep. You're just going to be up all night Googling what on earth is wrong or is is there even anything wrong or is this normal? What does normal look like for a three-month-old? You know, we're not born with that knowledge and, and it's sort of every every stage of parenthood brings its own particular sort of nuances that we've suddenly got to become experts in all at once, right? And it's compounded in the US by lack of parental leave, right? And high asymmetry in parental leave between people working at certain companies and then, you know, the, the typical sort of two weeks at best that you might get in or nothing with other employers and a highly mobile population, you know, the US more than any other country in the world, people you know, migrate across to New York, San Francisco, wherever um, in in their post-college years, which places them at this distance, right, from the historical support structures one might have had um, from, you know, grandmas and aunts and and other folks in the neighborhood and and so on. Secondly, the people funding and building the products historically have sort of sat inside of a relatively small number of big corporations, right? They might run a few focus groups and be like, oh, we're going to roll out a product for this, or we're going to do another line of bassinets or what have you very rarely standing literally in the shoes of a customer, a postpartum mom or a, you know, a, a couple trying to juggle through, figuring out the change in their relationship with having a new baby. Otherwise, I don't know how else we can explain how we spent so long with breast pumps that needed tethering to the wall to be <laughs> to operate, right? I mean, within mm-hmm. one instance of doing that, you're, while juggling a toddler and everything else, you're sort of like, this makes no sense. Um, and then historically, the people who couldn't build something really authentic to really address the needs of the customer have had zero chance of being able to succeed in doing so, certainly in a tech-enabled, highly scalable way, right, when they're sort of in the thick of the journey. Because first of all, they, they, they're siloed across traditional tech subsectors, right? Someone working on a fintech for kids will probably never meet someone working on a health concept or a consumer good, a diaper concept. The hardest part is how do you find and really effectively serve But there was no peer group? To collaborate on that innovation thrives when you bring people together and these you know founders as i was starting to meet them in, in developing parenthood i realized they didn't know each other and they were blocks away yeah in in san francisco that first group that i sort of met 
And then funding, right? Even if you decide to go for it, even if you have the great idea, you know, how do you access the funding when the people holding the checks are sort of a very demographically archaic group, right? Of either young white guys without kids don't find this stuff very sexy or interesting, or they might be a partner to VC fund who have older kids or have been able to outsource a lot of the really roughest parts of parenthood, right? Either to a stay-at-home spouse or to a you know domestic worker and, and so on. So they don't viscerally get <laughs> the fact that this is a problem that can or should be solved and that there's willingness to pay and all the things that a VC needs to see in terms of actually making a decision to invest. So for the whole combination of all these reasons, it's basically really impossible for innovation to flourish. Sujo. As I mentioned, I'm trying to replicate this amazing experience that I had at the playgrounds or group activities when I go meet other parents. And it's this kind of trust level equals one because you're a parent. And that is enough to start the dialogue and share information and take valuable information to help make my own decisions on what I need to do in a day. So building on that, we're creating a positive space where, you know, we're going to we're promoting this very simple thing that we tell kids. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. So that's kind of the mantra by which we're we're, we're coming to the to, to the table. We're solving two big problems, I think, that at least I have found. One is time and efficiency. That's what matters most to me as a parent. And in our surveys, which we've done to you know hundreds of parents and in just in our anecdotal talks, time is the most precious commodity. So that's the one area that we're spending a lot of time and try to how do we make the online interactions and time spent on our platform valuable to a parent and and saving them time. The second is uh, similar to break the silos, uh, unlock that valuable rich experience across parent sets, not only from sex, but from geography, right? You're seeing this tremendous amount of these hacks that you know, they're shared on Instagram and TikTok and et cetera. You know, how do Japanese parents do math or how do these parents teach X or whatever it might be, you know, for the things that make you laugh, things that educate you, how to do something different, but it's everywhere. It's so diverse and dispersed. We want to bring that into one place where people can access it again and save time. So where we are, we're, we're probably the newest one out of the group here. Um, we're about we've we've been heads down for about eight to ten weeks uh, building, as you know, Kanika with Gaurav, our other co-founder. He building a really robust platform from the get-go, which includes forums across categories with the ability to add categories, change categories, double down, and there's just tons of functionality built within it. The ability to run groups. So you see all these groups on Facebook, and now you're starting to see more on WhatsApp and various other places, but people now are starting to have you know eight to 10 different groups in different places. So naturally, if we build this, uh, this aggregator or this core uh, that's churning with all kinds of all parents joining and we can get to mass. I think groups, it's a natural place for people to create, build, communicate in their groups, and then also uh, acquire new parents into those groups if they need be. And we've also, we're doubling down similar to uh, Michael on chat. You know, we've also built in a chat functionality with uh, group chat. So I'll give you a fun example. Our PTA from my school is piloting this starting this week where they have, you know, 10 different classes and their PTA can communicate with the group and each set of parents can communicate with each other in their own sub-channels, which is a need that's been coming out more and more. And we think we could replicate that across so many different groups and activities and kids. So we're eight weeks in, we're going into beta, closed beta. It's invite only at this point in time, only a couple hundred will be starting this week. And if that goes well, then, you know, obviously the sky's the limit, we'll go out to raise capital. But the ultimate goal here is that we see this as if we do this right, 
and there is uptake that we see this as almost a, a hub to the many spokes that are being built in this industry and also potentially mission control the almost like the super app that uh, you know parent can go to check in get all the things they need to get ask the questions they need to and acquire or join the groups or access the groups that they're in or or apps. And, uh, you know, again, save time, but have one place to do it. Serene, tell us about Sleuth. So Sleuth is a search engine for children's health information. So 1950s, you know, generations before us had Dr. Spock. In 1990s, we had WebMD. And now it's almost 2023. Where do we go for children's health guidance? And that's really the problem that we're trying to solve. The internet doesn't yield reliable information. You spend hours just digging on symptoms only to go to the ER or your physician when oftentimes you don't have to, or there's something else that you can triage in the moment. What we know is that 97% of parents are looking online for information about their children's health, but only 24% of them are satisfied. And that's the gap that we're going into. And so what we do is we solve the problem for the parent that's asking, should I be concerned and what do I do next? And our approach is that we give parents concrete benchmarks for a concern or a symptom. So when someone is saying, you know, is my 18-month-old child, are they verbal enough? What does that mean? What is the kind of information they look for? What they're looking for is actual data. They want data about what's considered kind of within that broad range of normal. They want to be able to put their children's own symptoms so they can track their child and they're in in our system. And they want to be able to take assessments. And so that's what we offer. You'll be able to have a library of resources that matches your search. We have broad coverage. So right now we have 18,000 children's health histories directly from parents. And when we launch in January, we're going to have 50,000. And so- We're very deep on data related to behavioral, to mental health. Our ADHD data is out of this world. You know, when parents get go to, you know, have a symptom that might be related to ADHD, they they take something called a Vanderbilt assessment. We are outperforming that. And that is not only a testament to the strength of our team, but frankly, the lack of innovation in children's health, helping parents, right? So like with the right team, Maybe someone could have done this a few years ago, but they haven't, again, because technology has not really applied itself. Cutting edge technology hasn't applied itself to children's health information. The real, I guess, magic here is that we're crowdsourcing information from parents about symptoms, conditions, specialists they saw, resources they've used. And that's what we can prove is useful to parents of a similar child. And the data that we're getting is representative across the entire country. So we know that we have a coastal bias in the way that technology products are made, and we're very proactive that at each point, we're trying to address that in our own way through data collection and also just the way that you approach it. And so one thing that we've seen in our data on ADHD, which is so accessible, is that we're seeing among the top five interventions that parents talk about and recommend, it's about parenting style. It is literally saying, be more patient with your child. You know, and so it's pretty incredible. Parent Tech Ventures has been on the rise in the past five years. And just as a stat, U.S. venture-backed parent tech companies attracted $1.4 billion in 2021, according to PitchBook. And that total was actually larger than all that was garnered in the previous four years combined. So what are all of your thoughts on the growth potential of this sector? The parent tech, you could say, sits within this umbrella term of fam tech, family technology, care economy, sometimes is another term that gets thrown around. This is a very nascent 
space, at least in terms of recognition, not so much in terms of need, that, that spans everything from elder care and honestly private equity and, and the industry, you know, the sort of finance industry has sort of started to recognize that one decently early, right, in terms of the, the investability there. But you've got elder care all the way down to the young years and, and perhaps the most overlooked of all, right, is disability, right? Long-term, you know, adults with long-term needs, whether they're siblings or relatives and, and so on. And there's even more perhaps of a vacuum there in terms of, of tools and services to help address those needs. But our focus here today is, is parent tech. So technologies and services that support parents and everything from intended parents, which is a sort of term we use for folks who are looking to become parents, maybe need support with reproductive health and or maybe sort of take the traditional pathway to parenthood all the way through when the when the kids leave the house. And then obviously, you know, somewhat like a US president, parent is a role that we retain for life. So there's some, you know, there's sort of obviously dimensions that continue on with. But but if we focus within the core of parent tech, you know, people say to me, well, isn't that sort of niche? It feels a little small. You know, I guess people's minds perhaps go to baby, you know, that sort of blink and you'll miss it phase of the beginning of parenthood. But you know, if you run through some of the key uh, uh, pillars, I guess, of, of parent tech, you start to realize how enormous this is, right? You've reproductive health, pregnancy, maternal health, early child development, child care, caregiver coordination tools like Maple to help people actually function as a as a unit better, durable goods, you know, strollers and, and bassinets and uh, consumable goods, diapers and wipes, pediatric health, huge, all of privately funded forms of education, right? Whether it's alternate schooling or supplemental tutoring and those things. FinTech to help parents thrive as a as a household and, and save for their kids' college funds and and uh, you know and so forth, as well as tools for kids themselves. All of the independent spending by teens as they kind of start to take control over actually their own buying decisions. Supporting parents through difficult times, right? Family courts, social services, pediatric bereavement, miscarriage and loss, co-parenting after divorce, you know, huge numbers of uh, solo parents out there by solo by choice as well as separated parents. And then it's not all the serious stuff, right? You've got the toys, the fashion, entertainment and media and so on and gifting, you know, we're coming up to the holidays. I think especially among millennial and certainly among Gen Z parents, right? There's this desire to get less random stuff, but actually to direct our relatives and loved ones to getting things that we really need and want and you know reducing the waste that can be associated with not getting (laughs) so this is huge right it's more than a trillion dollars in spending every year in the U.S. alone this is not a niche and then a few themes around why a parent who's really excited about it you know there's there's convergence from a few sides here right on the customer side, self-care and wellness, right? People actually realizing that it is okay to buy to buy the product, the tool, the consultation with an expert to sort of get ahead of lost hours of sleep or reduce performance at work. Like the opportunity cost of not doing is huge, right? If you lose your job or your performance goes down and and so on. And and not only individuals prioritizing this and understanding the return on investment, but also employers, employee benefits and, and uh, insurance companies, health insurance, and even governments. We're facing a population crisis in certain countries, right? Because people aren't having enough kids. You know why? There might be a part of it that's because parenthood is really hard, especially as a dual career household, given the existing historic tools and services, right? Inclusion is huge, as Sujan mentioned. 
designing for dads, not just defaulting always to designing for mom. And at the end of the day, like before we have kids now, you talk to any couple pre-kids and they consider themselves partners, a true team, right? And it's very strange that then the baby and juvenile industry thinks there's this like magic flip where like you have kids and then everything's pink, everything's for mom, you know, they're going to completely shift, completely shift their roles. And I think there's an increasing dissatisfaction with the fact that that does still occur more often than it should. And that's where you need, we need to design for a team. On the founder side, the people building it, looking around this room, right? Founders are building to address something they viscerally, you know, they, they've suffered through personally and you get a passion that you don't get in other sectors. And they're more likely these days to be investable, tech educated. If, you know, post-COVID, you can access an incubator remotely. You can pitch investors remotely. You can use self-serve tools and platforms, Calendly and, you know, Stripe and all the rest of it. It's self-serve, it's pay-as-you-go. This was not true a few years ago, which is super exciting. And pe- and platforms, just casual little plug, but platforms like Parenthood, right? I'm thrilled to host all the founders in this room and Parenthood. We've got 400 founders that can now meet each other and collaborate and partner and or just get some camaraderie right in the journey. Then the last one would be funding. So VCs are starting to get it. Why? Because there's women in VC now. <laughs> it turns right. out and there's moms in VC. As VCs age into parenthood, there is a dramatic shift in their perspective in terms of getting these concepts and finding them interesting and, and investable. It's not just moms, right? You know, in our investor network, we have a lot of VC dads. Again, some of whom I met before they became dads and then they became dads and they were like, oh, (laughs) because they're also, again, part of this paradigm shift in parenthood. They're way more hands on with their kids than maybe their boss, the the more senior folks in the VC fund ever were. And so I think that this is just on so many fronts, an exceptionally exciting time to be in this space. This is a situation of multiple narratives um, where I think a lot of things are true. And so my investor experience is that actually it's the white male investors who are most interested in us. So our cap table in the beginning were those, honestly, they were dads. The first check-in was a dad who completely understood we were built, what we were building in a way that I wish every investor understood what we were building. And I don't know if it's because he had spent time in the NICU or what it was, but he just got it immediately. Same thing happened. Gary Vaynerchuk is an investor. He gets, you know, slammed a lot for being one way or the other, but he was resonating with support. It was almost like magical the way he just understood it. Female investors traditionally have been a little bit harder for us. And my take on that is that we're early. So early stage is so high risk. And when you have someone saying, hey, I'm using AI to build this search engine based on like parents' expertise, it's like, that sounds awesome please come to me in a couple months. And I respect that very, very much because I think it's very hard to be a female investor in this landscape. And then we've had people who have really personal attachments to it come in as angels. And so, you know, like, I don't think pediatric health is early. I think we're on time now. I think two years ago, before COVID, it was early. And then as predicted, like if you're a parent, you saw this coming, children having a mental health crisis. Like I remember New York Times article and they were like, children will be fine. They're so resilient. You know what? They're resilient when they have support. And guess what they didn't have for the past two years? It's like an elephant, right? And we each see things from that, from that story. Like we each see where we are. And I think there are multiple narratives. And I think what Charlotte is doing is like God's work because she's bringing us all together to say what would happen 
if we could all take these multiple perspectives, all these stories that are true and really go full force into this market using technology to solve the plethora of challenges that can be solved right now. Absolutely. We do have to wrap up. I wanted to go around and have you all share some parting advice, especially for the parents that are tuning in. If there were any resources that you turned to that helped you along your journey, I have Fair Play here. Fair Play is a book that my husband and I both loved reading. And there's a documentary out by um, Eve Rodsky and Jennifer Siebel Newsom directing. And I feel like that really changed the narrative for parents. And, you know, speaking to Charlotte Michaels, mine, Sujal's point again is parenting is a team sport. And I think we've seen that very obvious shift in in the household. Um, So if you haven't read that already, read that. And then Charlotte recommended this on a podcast that she was featured on. It was Agents of Innovation with David Kinise. And it's Tending. This is your mentor, right? Amy Henderson? Amy's a wonderful human. Yeah, I, I can't wait to have her on the show too. But yeah, let's go around. Charlotte, you can... Um, okay. In terms of things to lean to, well, if you're an investor who happens to also be a parent, I think look at the articles that are coming out, right? TechCrunch and PitchBook. It's only in the last year, right? We've even seen articles with parent tech, family technology in the titles, right? Again, one tends to, those things are really influential in shaping uh, opinions about the space and getting driving excitement. So definitely, you know, check out all of that good stuff. And then to the to the non-investor parents out there, don't suffer in, in silence, right? It is more possible than ever before to build something that you wish you'd had or that you still need today. So I want to put that just directly out there. If you have an idea that you, you have been really thinking like, we need this, this needs to exist, now is the time more than ever before to actually give it a try. Behind every one of these startups, right, is a human who's lived through the same trouble, right? Uh, Whatever the challenge is, whatever the the theme is, right? So engage, give feedback, support founders. You know, we have a great newsletter which includes something called the Sandbox where parents can test out new products, give feedback, advice, and so on. The more you can share about if something could be done differently or could better meet your needs, the better, right? Because then that moves the whole world forward in terms of technologies for parents. So we welcome you to be part of building a better future parenthood. It's super quick. The best advice I ever got what from a very successful entrepreneur was that productivity is productivity. Productivity doesn't equal time. And so I think a lot of parents are strapped for time because of their unique situation. And that really helped liberate me as a as a mom, as a mom and child with medical needs. I felt like I was really fraying at the edges, but giving giving permission to know that productivity is productivity, not equated to like 10 hours in a day was really helpful. This whole idea of paying it forward, um, which is a concept that we all talk about, but as a parent, I think it's the most important thing that we can do. I was talking to my sister who's on the other side of this equation where she has two, she's an empty nester now. And when I talk to her about what I'm going through with my kids being so young, she's like, oh yeah, we did this, we did that. And she, her eyes light up when she remembers and she has her experience. She loves talking about it. So I think through the journey of parenting, I encourage you know anybody who's listening who has a voice or feels like they you know are have experienced something that other people may benefit from to share it right on Serene's platform on you know in in Michael's community in ours as we build it but as in all of them because 
regardless of who's succeeding, not succeeding, what we're building, what we're not building, the one thing I learned the most from is other parents. And that voice needs to be heard. And I actually am tired. No offense to the clinical psychologists and the academicians and all that. I'm tired of hearing experts tell me as a dad, this is the way to raise your kid. I, I think there's value in the methodologies and all the things that are there, but we have to make our own decisions. The relevancy is more about hearing that there's myriad other parents who have experienced similar things or different things and what they did and what they didn't do, because that helps us make these daily decisions. It helps us not feel alone. It helps us feel like that, hey, we're not crazy. This has been touched on already so many times, but it's an incredibly exciting time to be able to build mission-oriented businesses. You know, very, very rarely do you find industries that can be both Machiavellian and mission-driven. And I, I feel very proud of the work that everybody is doing to try to make people's life work easier because there's only one title that is not ever stripped from you, which is being a mom or a dad. That is a forever title. That is our, this is our life's work. And kind of like lastly, a bit to Sujol's point is in the good fortune of talking to now thousands of people over the last couple of years trying to build this company. The one thing that I have learned from hearing so many different versions of advice is that there is no advice. You have to kind of do what's best for your children outside of medical advice. Of course, you have to find the right recipe of things that's best for your family, best for your children. You have to live with those results. And there are so many great tools now to augment that experience and to support that decision-making framework. I, I hope of it beyond wanting to see more equity in the home, wanting to see more augmentation and more resources and a lower barrier of entry of participation, I think the one thing I very deeply, deeply hope I, I see over the next few decades is like less parental guilt and parental shame, relieve people of that pressure a bit. Everyone's trying to do their best. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like this is the conversation is just getting started. Um, we will have a part two and three and so on because we have so much ahead of us in this world. And I'm so glad to have you all as pioneers in this space. So thank you. Thank so you for great having to you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Kanika. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to today's panel. I feel like we could have talked for hours and we really tried to consolidate and condense our points to make this a palatable episode, but this is to be continued. It's important to have our finger on the pulse of all that's going on in parent tech, and this is a platform that's definitely going to be promoting it. I launched this podcast because I was so desperately seeking a show that was informative, insightful, inclusive, and inspiring. And this panel is indicative of exactly that. We had two dad founders join us, and dads definitely have a more siloed experience in this space because it's more mom communities and mom founders that we see in the playing field. And so I'm so glad we got to hear their perspective and their journey. And I think just the diversity of the panelists and their work uh, was really great to see, you know, whether we're people of color or are in a specific realm within parenting, be it health, medical health, wellness, venture capital, 
household management, data-driven stats, an aggregator, a search portal. We, we really covered it all. If you have any questions or follow-ups, I want to keep the conversation going. So follow all of the panelists. It was Sujal Shah, Serene Noor Ali, Michael Perry, and Charlotte Michaelitis, and me, Kanika. Chada Gupta on Instagram and tag us and write your questions. What is most challenging for you as a parent? What problem are you looking to solve? And maybe there's, you know, a tool or a solution that we are working on, or we'll definitely have a connection to help you navigate that. So it's a very small growing community, but to think all the players are so intently working on simplifying our lives as parents. And so there are solutions out there, whatever it is you're looking for. You can watch highlights of this episode on my website, that's totalmomsense.com, and on my Instagram, at Kanika Chada Gupta. And if you enjoyed it, slide into my DMs or email me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. I write to every email and, you know, my team looks them over too. We love hearing your feedback and your ideas and suggestions. So keep the messages coming. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. I made this easy for you. You can visit thatstotalmomsense.com backslash iTunes, and you'll be directed to my Apple podcast page where you can subscribe and rate and review. And I also have a guide on my website if you need help leaving a review. So you can search for that there. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Essentially, that intuitive superpower that we have when it comes to our purpose and, of course, our kids. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time.